emotions are affecting our bodies every single moment of every single day is eye-opening. And that actually can help you be a better leader by recognizing that that's part of self-awareness and being aware of your own emotions in your body. It's telling you clues. Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are transforming the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Joining me today is Chantel Fitzgerald, CEO of Mindset Strategies, a leadership development firm with a focus on mindfulness, emotional intelligence, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Her organizations work with individuals and companies to uncover blind spots and unconscious bias in order to create a more inclusive workplace. So excited about this conversation. Chantel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we have a lot to unpack. I think DEI is at the forefront of a lot of change that's happening in workplace culture today. And you, many of the things that you work on really resonate with my favorite themes in the workplace, that of emotional intelligence, trustful collaboration, empathy, mindfulness. So, you know, as we get into this discussion, we hear these terms every day. We heard them quite a bit before COVID. I think they really hit their zenith, obviously, during COVID, but there's still so much work to be done. So can you share with us how you got involved with this work? Tell us a little bit about your journey. It's a long story and I will try to keep it short. Um, yeah, I have quite the journey. Um, it's as diverse as I am, and uh, I have done so many things. Um, so keep that diversity part in mind because I've been everywhere. Um, so to give you the long and the short of it, I was actually a French major in college. Um, that seems to always be a jaw dropper for a lot of people <laughs> um, that I was a French teacher majored um, in secondary education and I was a French teacher studied abroad, lived in France, taught French, realized I was disciplining kids more than I was actually teaching French. So I ended up um, getting into something very similar called pharmaceutical sales, where I became a legal drug dealer and uh, sold cardiovascular medications and uh, did that for about five, six years until I got laid off with the downturn of the economy. Then I went back to grad school, got a master's in nonprofit leadership, and then worked in the nonprofit sector for a number of years. Uh, and then um, a turning point happened in my life. And I will say in all of those places leading up from education, um, you know, secondary education to pharmaceutical sales, working for a major Fortune 500 company or maybe a Fortune 10 um, and uh, or Fortune 50 and then getting into nonprofit. I always felt that leadership uh, could be done better and differently. I always had a, a hard time in the workplace, not um, I having 
uh, sponsors or mentors or anybody to support me, um, you know, and or even believed in me. So I was always kind of changing sectors to see if it got better everywhere I went. And um, the ultimate kicker was when I moved my whole life from Philadelphia to Boston to work for um, an organization only for it to not work out after a year. And it caused me to have to come back home um, and, um, you know, to New Jersey, where I'm from and really reflect on my life. And, and it was a very big turning point because at that point I was in my mid thirties and trying to figure out what am I going to do for the rest of my life, right? I'd already been a French teacher, worked in pharmaceutical sales, worked in nonprofit, then worked in international education. And what, what am I doing with my life, right? Where am I going? And so I found, you know, I fell into a, a depression and that's when I found mindfulness, uh, and emotional intelligence. I heard about mindfulness. Oh, it's supposed to help you with stress. Well, I was very stressed because I was in my uh, early to mid thirties trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? I have no idea where I'm going. And I leveraged mindfulness um, as a really helpful tool for me. And it ended up being transformational in my life and how I think mindfulness and meditation is truly the foundation to life and leadership. Um, because we believe, um, and so that's when I also started my, my company called Mindset Strategies, because through meditation and mindfulness, I realized that it's really all about your mindset, right? You can't do anything well without a good mindset and in a good um, a thought process. And so everything happens through our mind and it's the most subtle thing. Um, and I realized for myself that I was constantly saying negative things to myself all the time. And so mindfulness helped me to recognize that and reframe um, and support myself in that way. So now, ask you a question, because I think you hit on something really powerful as leaders. We Sometimes people go through these journeys, right, of what they think their career is supposed to be. And one day they wake up and recognize they're dreadfully unhappy, mm -hmm. uh, they're insecure, uh, they're unfulfilled, and things are just spinning out of control. That kind of hit for me in my early 20s when I was in sales, right? That happened to you in your in your early 30s. But that is a turning point. And, and when that happens, it's like a big, it's like a big bang, a big crescendo. And you turn somewhere, you turn to mindfulness. Why do you think, even though it's been around for such a long time, it's still such a struggle for people to really kind of settle in and recognize what's going on? Because obviously mindset, mindfulness is a lot about being centered and recognizing what's really going on. But even when people kind of hit that wall, Sometimes they still don't recognize, okay, I need to settle in, settle down and really check in. Yeah, because our culture does not support that. <laughs> we If you're living in the United States, especially, right, we live in a culture and in a nation and in a world that is so go, 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 busy, 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 you know, and no one is telling you to slow down and get grounded and be still. In fact, being still is the complete opposite of what we have been trained to do in our lives, right? You know, it's always about being busy. It's always about go, 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 you know, and if you are still, you're like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time. I should be doing something. You know, this is like, why am I sitting here doing absolutely nothing? This is a waste of my time. I could be doing something else, you know? So our environment <laughs> fosters this, this whole go, 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 do, do, do work, 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 uh, culture. And so, yeah, it's absolutely hard 
to to sit still for a minute to look at the sunlight outside or look at flowers, right? Or yeah. or just center yourself and and notice your breath, um, or even notice the sounds around you. So that is why it's so difficult. It's completely opposite than what we've been trained to do on a daily basis in our culture. And so you have to be intentional um, about mindfulness and meditation if you want to support yourself in being a better leader and just being a better person in general. Well, I think that's a lot. So as you see that, obviously you see that quite a bit in your practice. How do you begin then to shape the conversation for A-type leaders, right? I I read something, a statistic not too long ago that said most um, incredibly successful people leading either their own company or a large, you know, Fortune 500 company are either dealing with mommy or daddy issues. And so they're still trying to prove themselves. And those are the ones that are incredibly successful or highly A-type, right? So when you take those two personality traits and put them together, you know what you got. How do you then begin to have these leaders then start to slow down and notice? Well, first of all, they have to want to do that. First of all, they have to have this inner willingness to and curiosity to want to even try. And the benefit is it's going to make you a better leader, right? Type A people want to go, 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 do, 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 get to the top, successful, climbing the ladder, whatever it is, right? And so Oftentimes, you know, they may be seeking something to help them be better. And so the irony of the whole thing is that slowing down, being present, practicing mindfulness, being intentional is actually going to help you be even better, you know, for that type A personality. Absolutely. Because I am that person, <laughs> you know, and so I found- I can tell you, you talk as fast as a lot of people run. I mean, you're just like, so I can see completely. In front yes, of my, yes, I am that person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So obviously it's been very powerful for you. So when you see the crossroads of the dynamic of what's happening in workplace culture today, we've got hybrid, we got remote, we've got you know employers that are struggling trying to get people back. People are fighting that. And then we have everything that's going on around that with all the social change and social justice issues and all of that. And on top of it, this recession. And just the turmoil that we see society in today and people are trying to make sense of it, but also trying to stay grounded through it. How do you then begin to bring these practices into, or what have you seen that's been best practices around bringing mindfulness and trustful collaboration into today's workplace? In my leadership trainings and in my um, practice with clients, there's so many, many tools that can be integrated into your day-to-day workplace without even realizing it. So for example, one of the things I teach regularly is a minute to arrive, where you literally just take a minute to settle yourself, to notice your breath to notice, you know, uh, the sounds around you to set your intention for the next meeting. And it is amazing how different you're shifting your energy from that go, go, go to the settling in to then, then, you know, and all of, you know, many clients say, you know, I feel after that minute to arrive, I feel more relaxed. I feel more, more focused. I feel more grounded. And isn't that a beautiful way to start a meeting when you feel that way? We're always so busy all the time, um, running from one thing to the next, right? So that's just a mini practice that you can do to integrate. Another one is to just 
fully listen? Can you just bring your full attention to somebody else without interrupting and just being fully present for them? And they say that one of the best, um, like a famous um, Buddhist monk had said, you know, the best gift that you can give is your attention to someone else. Mm. I I think that it's interesting too, that um, sometimes people are so disconnected from what's happening and showing up. So as you said, I love what you said, the minute to arrive, take a moment just to notice, you know, in the mind body practice that we use for years in the wellness industry is just beginning to notice taking your, you know, unconscious mind and, and scanning your body, right? What's happening in your shoulders, what's happening in Mm -hmm. your abdomen, what's happening in your hips, just allowing that gaze without looking, but feel what's going on. Because so often people are so completely disconnected and that's where injuries come in. That's where mistakes come in. That's where challenges come in because you're not connected at all with what's going on. And so there's no grounding. So I really love that minute to arrive. So we have people who listen to our podcast everywhere, right? They're driving. They are maybe sitting in their office. Maybe they're at home cooking. So if they wanted to, to put into practice that minute to arrive or minute to be practice, is there a way in which we can kind of guide them through that at this moment? Yeah. Do, would you like me to guide you through a minute to arrive practice? Why right not? Now? Yes. So okay. if you're listening, work with me. She's going to guide us through. Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. We can do it. All right, here we go. So feel free to find a comfortable and yet alert position. So that's usually with your feet on the floor, your hands in your lap, your back is straight, your head is in alignment with your spine. You can close your eyes or you can keep them open and just lower your gaze, however you feel most comfortable. And let's begin by just feeling the weight of our bodies in our chair. And by feeling the weight of our bodies in our chair just helps to ground ourselves in being here right now in this moment. Now see if you can bring your attention to the sounds that are happening around you or just the silence. Now see if you can bring your attention to your breath. How do you even know you are breathing in this moment? See if you can bring your attention to one full inhale and one full exhale. Now see if you can bring your attention to just a few cycles of your breath from the inhale to the exhale. Now feel free to set your intention. How do you want to show up in this moment? Or how do you want to show up in your next meeting or your next activity? Or what is something that you'd like to work on? So feel free to set your intention now. And with that, let's take a deep breath in. And a slow exhale out. And in a moment, I'll ring the bell. And feel free to open your eyes and bring your attention back to the room.
And there you have it, a minute to arrive. Um, it was great. That was really nice. I always, I always immediately notice whenever I do that mindfulness, you know, work of taking a moment, I always notice my breathing because my breath, you don't realize how shallow your breathing is. And here's a tip for those of you listening who may have high blood pressure issues or, you know, always dread going to the doctor for the yearly checkup. I learned this many years ago. If you really do practice deep breathing, you know that again, taking seven to 10 counts in and and seven to 10 counts out, and you practice that as Chantal just beautifully guided us through for a minute, let alone working up to maybe five minutes, you try to do that each day, that blood pressure will go down before you know it. And you will not have that issue with your doctor or he won't have that issue with you. But that deep breathing, we are so shallow. I didn't, you know, I had no idea, but you're so unconscious of sometimes how you're breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And that was totally an eye-opening moment for me. You know, when I first learned and started practicing mindfulness, you know, it was just like, wow, I breathe every single day and I never even notice it. And it's the thing that's keeping me alive, right? How often do we run throughout our day and we don't even know how our body is keeping us alive. We're not even conscious, you know? And also to your point, when you were talking earlier about um, noticing the sensations in your body and doing a quick body scan, in our trainings, we ask people, well, where do they feel emotions? Like, where do you feel anger? Where do you feel excitement in your body, Right. And so it takes them a little while to reflect on, oh my gosh, like (laughs) I didn't even realize anger shows up in my body, right? But who is cold when they are angry, right? No one is grabbing for a coat when they are angry, right? They're taking off their coat. They're getting hot, right? So just noticing how our body changes with our emotions and just having that awareness that emotions are affecting our bodies every single moment of every single day is eye-opening. And that actually can help you be a better leader by recognizing that that, that's part of self-awareness, right? And being aware of your own emotions in your body. It's telling you clues. One of the things I love around that piece of emotional intelligence and self-awareness, particularly as a pillar, is I did uh, some improv work about, you know, some time ago, and I've done some on and off throughout my career. And one of the things I've noticed is that through doing improv, it forces you to be aware of, completely present with what's going on. Hmm. And one of the improv um, practices that, that, you know, uh, that I took this particular practitioner made us act out emotion. And her takeaway was so often, you know, we relevate over just five emotions. Like we we think that when you ask somebody, how are you feeling? They will try to factualize it or think it out or give you some sort of intellectual, no, 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 how do you feel? And so often we're so disconnected from the feeling, as you just said, that we don't really take time to unpack that, that there's more than just two feelings, happy and sad. Like there's, you know, frustration, discouragement, excitement, disappointment. I mean, there's so many. I think she listed like 60 different emotions, but sometimes people just relate between those two. 
Mm-hmm. And that's all being held in your body. My husband is a first responder and I talked to him about this a lot because he works a lot with um, peer support and, P- and folks with PTSD and things like that. And how often people kind of stay in that one plane. And once you get people to step, start to step out and feel that, it just awakens so many different things, not only in mind, body, but also in the way we show up every day. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's why mindfulness is so important. And if we're intentional about it, it gives us cues on how to maneuver into certain situations and things like that. So yes, absolutely. Um, I think I totally agree. And the importance of recognizing emotions in our body is so important. So tell us a little bit more about mindset strategies. And, you know, if you all, you know, for 2023, you know, is there anything big, exciting going on or things that you're super excited about that you want to share with our audience in, in terms of learning more about your company? Yeah, sure. So thank you. Um, so yeah, Mindset Strategies is a leadership development firm. Uh, we focus, of course, on mindfulness, emotional intelligence, um, executive coaching. And then we also have a leadership institute for Black women. So we also target companies that might have a DEI goal of wanting to have more women of color in higher level leadership positions um, and uh, and want to support women of color with retention and elevating them to, to leadership. And so that's where our uh, Leadership Institute for Black Women comes in. Um, and what we do with that program is also very unique because we also have what's called connection sessions where we bring together C-suite executives and the Black women in our program to really break down biases and stereotypes and to see each other for our common humanity. And those connection sessions we do three times throughout the six months. So the Leadership Institute's a six-month program. Um, it's usually starts in March and goes till September. And then we have another cohort from September until March. Um, so we have these connection sessions three times throughout the six months, and they are so powerful, so eye-opening um, for both sides, both the C-suite executives as well as the women in our program. Uh, and some of the most profound learnings come out of that. And some many of the C-suite executives have so many aha moments in these sessions. Um, just, like we just had one last Friday where we were talking about the importance of psychological safety um, for Black women in the workplace. And we were leveraging um, a Harvard Business Review um, article to help us, you know, navigate this conversation on what does it look like for psychological safety in the work environment, specifically for Black women, because there are different standards for different individuals in the workplace, right? Um, And so um, it was interesting that one of the C-suite executives didn't realize that fear was a part of the workplace. He just never associated fear or anyone fearing the workplace. And he had this major aha moment that Black women can be fearful all the time in the workplace. And it never dawned on him that an environment in the workplace could cause fear. And then there's been other powerful, deep learnings in terms of how male privilege can actually be more profound 
than sometimes white privilege in some ways as well. So just a lot of deep learning uh, in these connection sessions that are so very powerful that then causes these C-suite executives to look at their policies and procedures to recognize how biased they are and how they prevent underrepresented communities from getting to the next level. That is outstanding, Chantel, your work. I mean, just hearing about the impact and the shifts that potentially could happen, let alone do happen, when you do your work, when you said the word fear, I immediately went back to a practice that I did with improv and they had us go around the room and we had to demonstrate fear in our bodies for one minute. And I remember the debrief, they talked a lot about, you know, how people who, you know, don't really go into that emotion a lot, how it made them feel so uncomfortable and what it was like. And now take that, what you just said, take that manifestation in your body and think about having to feel that eight hours every day, right? Like mm-hmm. for, for, for persons who are not of color to have to step into that and recognize what that's like on a daily basis when you walk into a room and you're the only, right? That happens to us a lot. We're the Mm. only all the time. Mm. And so you walk into those rooms, you show up for those meetings, you do those keynotes. What does that feel like? It does bring another level of awareness. So I I can only imagine how powerful that work is. Very rewarding. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we're always recruiting. So, you know, we're always looking for C-suite executives. At first, I will say we were just focused on white men, C-suite executives and black women, but now we've kind of opened up the pool um, to just C-suite executives. So that's inviting white women, C-suite executives, black men, C-suite executives, you know, anyone really, um, to, to be a part of these connection sessions. Um, cause they're, they're very, very powerful and really help to have the dialogue for transformation. Um, and also they leave with a commitment of what they're going to do in the workplace to continue what it means to have a psychologically safe environment. Um, And in this case, specifically for Black women. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. So as we're bringing our conversation to a close, there's been so much that you've shared that has been absolutely outstanding. I really appreciate you for that. Is there anything, you know, any projects or anything that you're working on this year that are kind of your your hype projects that you're super excited about? I know you mentioned the Institute, but is there anything else that we can look forward to for Mindset Strategies? We're also working uh, with executive coaching. So we just landed our first uh, contract, federal contract, working with a client uh, to do executive coaching. So we have a slew of about 20, 30 executive coaches. Um, So we're really excited about about that. Um, And yeah, as I mentioned, um, we're always recruiting for our next cohort for our Leadership Institute, which our next one will start in September. So um, if there's organizations or companies out there or individuals that are interested in our Leadership Institute for Black Women, we welcome you to apply. um, And I can send you that information. um, And um, yeah, we would love to have you. And also C-suite executives that would like to be part of our connection sessions, we would love to have you as well. Fantastic. We'll make sure that that gets into the show notes when uh, this podcast gets posted. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really enjoyed hearing your story, hearing your journey, and hearing the powerful you know, impact that you're making in the C-suite today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Fran. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us again for the Optimized Workplace. Remember, it's many monumental moments 
that make the biggest shift in your life. I'm Frangine Bishop. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.